Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Burney. Leo. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. We're here, the tech is fixed, we have an intern, it's gonna be a show. That's one promise Keith probably won't keep this week. Out of practice! And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, working week by week through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season four, episode four, entitled Legacy. We will not have a... we're, We're doing 404... But we will have a show, so when you search for us, you will not get 404. Nerd joke! Wow, that's a terrible joke. Keith, you've got birds chirping in the background. It sounds like you're in a peaceful, wonderful place. I feel like those are your birds. Yeah, they're not coming from me. I think you have birds. Nope, I don't. (laughs) But I I bet you they might be our intern's birds. They might be our intern's birds because we have, we have, we already have our first, hold on. Ah. Uh, filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Oh, it's in stereo have, again. I know, we're back to stereo. Uh, I have to apologize to my Motu M2 because it wasn't fucking up. I was. So uh, I I definitely doff my cap, but we are first live subpoena from the intern <laughs> who is right outside your window. <laughs> That's not even remotely creepy. <laughs> She's inside the house. I think that was her birds then. I think it probably was. And she's got her laptop out. I can see myself on her laptop and you in there, and then herself in the reflection taking the picture. We have gone so meta, we're going to open a portal to another dimension. Another dimension, another dimension. Uh, did you watch the Beastie Boys documentary on the, on the, on the TV? I have not, uh, mainly because, because I was uh, too busy being a music nerd and oh. theater geek. I really didn't know the Beastie Boys well enough to feel a lot of feels. Did you, by any chance, did you watch the Sondheim 98th, 99th, 95th, 96th, who, how, very old birthday live stream catastrophe? They had more issues than we have during an out of practice podcast episode. Oh, did they really? Yeah, I did not watch it. I feel like I should have. I had friends texting me. I had friends on the show, and I did not watch any of it. Well, Keith, it begs the question, then, what you've been watching, which I want to ask you, aside from the practice, in a new segment... I like to call. Uh oh. 
because all there is to do is watch more TV. And so, Keith, I ask and you... And make more jingles, apparently. Surprise yeah. jingles. What, um, what have you been watching outside of the practice? Okay. Well, I have discovered a new uh, COVID survival show. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we do every night before we cook dinner is we watch Man vs. Food. Ooh. Where we watch, uh, basically, it's like diners, drive-ins, and dives, except for the third segment is a food-eating competition at one of the restaurants. Oh, that's so, kind of cool. Yeah, so like their host has to, like, if you eat 72 ounces of steak, you get it free or whatever all across the country. Oh, and that's a good uh, one. Yeah, it's super, super fun. It's like 20 minutes. You can sort of zone out, imagine eating good food, and then eat the garbage you made for yourself. Okay, that's a good pick. Uh, we finished up a bunch of our shows. We were watching The Ozark, and we were watching uh, Better Call Saul, but those have all wrapped up. And so we began a new show last night I'm so excited about. we've I've only watched one episode, but okay. it's called Hollywood. It's a Ryan Murphy show on Netflix. And it oh, stars a certain friend of yours, our good friend Dylan McDermott, in a completely different role than you've seen him in. He is chewing all of the scenery. I mean, gobbling the scenery. I don't want to <laughs> say too much about what the show's about. You should watch it. Okay. It's, it's, you know, in a nutshell, it's it's a it's a drama set in the 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 peak of the Hollywood era. Um, and Bobby plays Bobby. <laughs> Dylan plays sort of a, a a gigolo pimp, sort of. Okay. Um, who runs a gas station? But I'm going to sum up his entire performance in a little clip I popped together a couple Ooh. seconds, okay. just so that you. Can How much get... work have you done for this episode, sir? So, who are you? So I'd like to sum up where where Bobby has gone in his retirement. Uh, in seven beautiful seconds. Yes, of- hit me. 12 inches, soup to nuts, and not floppy either. I get hard as a fucking rock. I got a very big dick. Mike is thirsty. He's thirsty. So, Keith, uh, I'm, I'm going to send over to you. Uh, so... Because of that, now we've got the Mike is Thirsty bumper for when I'm thirsty. But when it right. turns out Bobby is thirsty, we will for henceforth run this bumper. I got a very big dick. <laughs> oh my God, you haven't slept in days. <laughs> so I'll be sending you that to, to put onto the soundboard. Oh, I love that. And guys, uh, listeners... If you have prepared for this episode by watching this episode ahead of before listening to this, you are freaking out as much as I am with the synchronicity, as you would say. So <clears throat> look out, folks. Look out. Oh, That's am I going to be running that bumper today? You are absolutely going to be run, running that bumper today. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm going to have it really primed up and ready to go. This is going to be... Amazing. So, so anyway, the, uh, I'll just say that the first episode of Hollywood on Netflix was great. Me and Jen are uh, were in. There's only seven episodes. I love a Ryan Murphy joint. So uh, we sure. Are. And Who doesn't? of course, Broadway legend Patty Lapone uh, is serviced in the first episode, if if you will. So 
Oh, hell yeah. So you've got all things that we love. It's quite the drama for practice fans. (laughs) And that was a segment that we like to call... Wow. That's Uh, an amazing segment. Well done. So now I guess we should transition back into the segment we had started before I hijacked it. For real. Now, I'll start us off. We have gotten another live filing and subpoena from our intern with a correction. (laughs) No surprise there. (laughs) She points out that Sondheim turned 90, not 96 or 300 and whatever you just said. Mm. She also says, sorry about the birds. I was unmuted. So they were your birds. They were just outside your window. Okay. I thought that they had broken through the impenetrable wall that is my noise gate, but. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, the birds we have here are seagulls. Oh, yes. And they're just eating French fries. Seagulls, fat robins. Well, they're not because there's nobody on the beach. That's fair. So they're probably just eating each other in some grim fashion. Well, let's get into it, because we have some things to discuss in filings and subpoenas. We do. All right. So I know you have one queued up. Yep. So I'll just quickly uh, work through uh, Leanne. Leanne Wright's founding sponsor posted a an amazing, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, Instagram stories. Sure. What do you call those things? I don't <laughs> know how to face Instagram works. Uh, where she quoted me from uh, episode... Uh, season three, episode 17, Target Practice. And apparently, at some point, I said, this is a TV show, bitch, we don't settle. I vaguely remember that. I sort of remember. I have no idea what the context was. But she says, damn right to that. And uh, I I say, damn right to your damn right, even though I don't remember what exactly I was talking about. Yeah, I think they had gotten a good settlement offer for one of those cases with Jimmy or Rebecca. And they were. I was like, they should probably settle. And you. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I just put together some context clues there, Keith. It wasn't (laughs) rocket science, but. Oh, you did better than I did. We were, uh, I was with Jillian. We walked to CVS and she went in and I didn't go in. And I was like trying to figure out what the hell, when did I say that in what context? All right. Anyway. Uh, All right. So we did something kind of of fun Mm -hmm. at the end of last episode, which was like a two and I had. Two hour shit show, and uh, I've got it queued up. This is what uh, this is what Keith said. You have it queued up. Good lord! This is what Keith said at the Who end of last you? week's episode. If anybody is still listening right now, email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail and we will give you a shout out. In fact, we will plug anything you want to plug. Now, first things first. That sounds so much better than it has any right to sound. <laughs> Especially after last week. Yeah. Good Lord. Um, so that was Keith's promise. And we had two takers. Now, I just realized, you know, looking at the numbers, as we had predicted what happened, the majority of our listeners are actually way back in time. They're just kind of getting into the podcast now. That's true. Uh, we have like a, a wave cresting in like early to middle season three. So even when we're done this show, we're going to have to be plugging as everybody comes up to this episode. But uh, That's true. We didn't put a time limit on it. <laughs> we had two takers. Uh, taker one was actually my wife, Jen, who is now an avid listener. 
And she was the first to actually listen and write in with a plug. So I'm going to start there, and then I'll get into our next uh, next person. So Jen wants to plug. This week, she... uh, I'm going to read the the post that was tagged in. She was asked to sing on a a teeny little project, and uh, I'm just going to read what the person who posted it. It's from Broadway Babies, is the uh, organization. And they say, this week I reached out to women in the Broadway and opera communities to see if they wanted to help us at Broadway Babies to support our dear friends at Womankind, who are doing incredible work to support survivors during the rise of domestic violence in New York City during the COVID Mm. crisis. To my surprise, 45 incredible women, many strangers to me, generously answered the call. This video features some of the most beautiful voices in the business singing together to provide hope and love to us all. To continue to help those who need it most, please share this post and donate. And they give a link. Uh, the organization is Womankind. I'm going to post a link uh, as our plug in the show notes so that you can uh, go ahead and donate. But in the interim, I'm going to let you hear the beautiful voices. It's only 90 seconds. I figured a podcast is two hours anyway. We might as well just listen. So I'm going to start it right here. Hell yeah. Oh, Ali. When you walk through a storm So that's Womankind. You can give by going to giveinmay.org slash organization slash womankind2020. I will leave a link in the show notes. So that's the plug for Jen. And way to piece all that together, whoever was running 60 tracks on Pro Tools. I see a lot of my friends there. I I, vaguely from the tiny, tiny window I looked at there. Yeah. Uh, Way to go, Jen. That's fantastic. She's doing another one, a little uh, revival of the Fiddler on the Roof revival with two casts ago. So... Uh, I'll, we'll talk about that when that gets posted. So that's oh, Jen's yeah. plug. We're going to move the on. We have Molina version. Yes. Yes. So, so we have another listener uh, who I think chimed in. We discussed last week. Uh, he had yes. written us on social media. His name is Jorge, uh, Jorge Novoa. No- Novoa, probably. Novoa. Yeah. But please correct us, Jorge. Yeah. Uh, so he writes, Hey, guys. Thank you for the shout out in last week's episode. I guess I'm getting another one this week because I most certainly listened all the way through and see, see my shameless plug below. We'll get there. 
Uh, two things about the episode, which you don't have to read, but I will never, nevertheless keep brief. I'm going well, to read, read them. Uh, what does Mike think is going to happen? He harkens back to episode three, or episode season three, episode 20, Home Invasions. And he reminds us that I said this. You've got We're the- going to deal with yet another instance of the nun killer. Uh, perhaps he breaks into someone's house and murders them. That would be one okay. home invasion. And then I'm going to suspect that the wheels start to come off with Kittleson, and we find that she is in Jimmy's house, uninvited somehow, and he comes home to discover her in a fatal attraction type situation. Right. So Jorge says, uh, you know, I think Mike should get points for being right, even if it's seven episodes late. I just think it proves I'm prescient. Yes. Yeah. You know what? That's, that is entirely true. I w- I, I'm s- frequently stunned by how accurate you can be, uh, which definitely makes me feel like you're definitely uh, a, a cheater, cheater. Oh, cheater, cheater. Sometimes. I can't even believe you would accuse me of being a cheater, cheater. Anyway, uh, he then says point number two, if it's true that Chekhov's gun must be fired, then by default, all guns fired must have been introduced, which begs the question, where did the loaded gun that Helen used to kill Vogelman come from? Now, Keith, I want to point out two things on this point before I let you interject. Okay. Number one, uh, I went to the undisputed source for factual information, Wikipedia. Oh. And for those who don't know the reference that he dropped there, Chekhov's gun is a dramatic principle that states that every element in a story must be necessary and irrelevant irrelevant elements should be removed. (laughs) Irrelevant. Yeah. (laughs) Elements should not appear to make false promises by never coming into play. The statement is recorded in letters by Anton Chekhov several times in some variation. Now, Ernest Hemingway kicks back to that, and he says that... uh, he was a, he's a big fan of inconsequential details. He thinks they flesh out a story, but he does concede that readers will inevitably seek symbolism and significance in these inconsequential de- details, uh, hence the why the grape jelly pissed us off so much. So, Good point. Jen also, after listening to the podcast last week, came to me and was like, well, where did when, when did she have time to load the gun if it was only blanks in there? Which to which I said, it must have been a second gun, which was never brought up. So Keith, I pose to you, Yes. Explain that last sequence to us. Make it make sense. Okay. Uh, well, I think you're right that it is clearly a second gun uh, because uh, we know that uh, Eleanor, she bought the gun. It uh, George put blanks in it. I believe that uh, Helen, as a quasi-member of law enforcement, has her own gun. Also, personality-wise... She and Lindsay are like gun people. I feel like she would have a second gun in the home that Eleanor nor George would know about. Hmm. Okay. So I don't think it was, I don't think it was Eleanor's gun. I think it's a second gun. Okay. Second gun on the grassy knoll. So Jorge, does that, does that satisfy Chekhov's? Well, and as a, as a writer, I completely understand why setting up the gun would be helpful, but here's an argument for why it would not be helpful. Because based on the Chekhov's gun principle, if you see a gun, it's going to go off. We've already seen one gun. If we happen to know that Helen has a gun, we know it gives away the ending because we right. know that Helen will have a second gun. So now, I, th- I, 
I think it, they just sort of chose not to give away the ending. If we could rewrite the teleplay, in that scene where Eleanor goes to buy the sort of gun out of a trunk of that guy's car. Right. To me, if we could rewrite that, I would like to see that be not her and Lindsay, but her and Eleanor or her and Helen. Helen would be much more the type who would have access to like a black market gun person. And then we could assume maybe she picked up a gun then as well. It would it would have kind of made sense, more sense. It's possible or and I I don't remember the scene exactly, but I the way I would have done it is I would have had Lindsay just casually like, well, you know, like I have a gun. Helen has a gun. Why don't you get a gun? Mm. And that way you you drop the hint in there without, you know, putting too much uh, sauce on it. Well, that's because you're a very good writer, Keith. You know who else is a very good writer? Yes, I do, actually. Our friend Jorge. Uh, he says, as for something of mine, I'd like you to plug. Mike, don't be thirsty. <laughs> in keeping with the campy drama of the 90s, I wrote a personal essay about being exercised at 14 to cure me of my homosexuality. It was published in an online magazine called narratively.com. So if you Google narratively and exorcism, it should be the th- first thing that comes up. Now, you won't have to do that because because of Keith's promise. That's we, right. We will plug this. I will put a link in the show notes and you should read it because I read it this morning when the email I, came in. As did I. And it's incredibly written. It is incredibly funny, but also heartbreaking and beautiful. All of those things. And I will unabashedly claim that I was, I didn't, but I was on the absolute verge of crying by the end. It just, it just filled me. It filled me with something. And, uh, it, it really, it's a, it's a terrific piece of writing and a very sad, but ultimately uplifting story. Uh, so guys check it out for sure. And it it made me wonder, uh, and Ricky Martin plays a role in it. Yes. So I was, I wonder, Jorge, have you gotten to the uh, episodes where Mike and I basically sing the entire song <laughs> in, in a like completely lunatic, drunken, I don't know any of the lyrics kind of a way <laughs> because um, the serendipity I, there. I know. I was thinking the same thing. It's called, uh, the, the piece is called My Coming Out Story, starring a priest, an animal sacrifice, and Ricky Martin. Uh, and the and the sort of tagline is convinced a demon was making me gay. My mother turned to exorcism. Years later, her pop idol finally helped her understand. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Absolutely, go and check that out. Thanks for writing in, Jorge. Hopefully, uh, we're gonna have to keep keeping this promise, Keith, because the internet is forever. Yes, it is. And uh, thank you for sending that to us. And uh, you are welcome here in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Live in the Vida Loca. And hopefully, listening back on us uh, being idiots on that, you understand that we are we are singing along because we love it and we love Ricky Martin, not love because Martin. we're being idiots. I mean, no, well, it's because it's, we're being idiots. The two are mutually exclusive. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, that was awesome. Thank you, Jorge. Uh, yeah, go check it out, guys. Now, I have one more thing to plug. Because uh, I have, I listened to the end of the episode, so okay. I get to plug something. Fair. And that, and that is uh, the song you recorded and uh, posted on Facebook the other day. Oh. You and your guitar. Uh, what was the song? It's uh, called No Surprises by Radiohead. It's off of OK Computer, my favorite album. Well, it's great. Check it out on Facebook. 
you did a really great job of that. So all right, I'll post a link in the show notes. I'm gonna plug your shit. Okay, we have been going for 25 minutes. No surprise, the apocalypse episodes get long. Uh, Jen has uh, has said that she lo- she loves when we sing together. If you go back and listen to us doing that, maybe you will love it a little less. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time to hop back into the time machine to October 17, 1999. It was a beautiful Sunday in the world, and it makes us all ask the question, Mike, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, I was still at Ithaca College for my brief stint in college, and I'll tell the story that uh, you've been waiting for. Yes, let's hear it. So I've always been a pretty good guy. I mean, and I, up until my almost mid to late 20s i didn't even smoke marijuana recreationally i just never was but you know we were busy so i made a couple decent friends uh in college and we were hanging out in uh, my friend mike's uh, dorm room and his roommate was getting stoned or doing some like uh some things uh, uh, some other whippets some other rec- recreational uh, things, and so being the goody two shoes we were, it was like on a it was an all the time basis. They were like totally smoking right. out of his room all the time, and so you couldn't right, right. you couldn't be he couldn't be there. So he mentioned something to his RA and blah 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 blah. And nonetheless, these guys uh, he got in trouble. So one night we're hanging out in me and Mike are hanging out in his room listening to. I think he was he was really into Dave Matthews bootlegs, of course. Oh, that sounds exactly like I think Dave Matthews bootlegs are made of weed. Right. No, he wasn't smoking weed. But he, oh, well, oh. Regardless, regardless, it, do, it doesn't matter. So the point of the story is, is that these guys broke in. They didn't break in. It was his room. They, they, they busted in and they like were pissed at my buddy because he had ratted them out. And so they jacked us up. Now, they simply just like kind of it was these two guys and they jacked us up against the wall and I'm not a fighter. I don't fight. I've never had never been in a fight prior to this. This wasn't even a fight. We just I just kind of got thrown up against a wall and your instincts take over. And so my first thought was I need the guy in the nuts. Right. Sure. And then I was going to like wheel back to try to punch him, maybe. Right. But what ended up happening is he bent down because I had kneed him in the nuts and my elbow came up. Oh. And hit him in the face, and blood exploded everywhere. Holy shit! Uh, later, I turns out I broke his nose, not intentionally. Not it just was a freak reaction. Um, and they left right away because there was a lot of blood. And not long after, the campus uh, police or security, whatever, came right, right. and brought me down, and. Uh, I was sort of arrested, not really arrested, but it was very confusing because I wasn't allowed to leave. They asked if I wanted a lawyer and I was in college and had never been in trouble before. So I, right, I didn't really sure. even know what to do. So I called my dad who then had to drive four and a half hours. Oh my God. And come up to uh, take care of the situation. Now, 
I don't know what he said, what he did, whether it was just like a, he's not under arrest, this was just to scare him, or if he like, there was an agreement. I don't know what transpired, but I was no longer in trouble after my dad got there. Right. And well, because you didn't, you didn't do any, you, you were defending yourself. And well, I don't, you just happened to, to accidentally do it really, really well. All I know is that they were going to press charges, but then they weren't going to press charges anymore. I don't know how it all was paying out. I just was so thankful my dad was there to, to save my ass. And um, it ended up being really cool. We didn't really even talk about it that much. It was, you know, it was like one of those, he just took care of the situation, which was something my dad was really good at doing. And uh, the promise was up until literally up until right this moment, uh, never tell your mother. And well, oh, my mom doesn't no listen to this podcast. Shit. So <laughs> um, we're probably mother safe on this show. But I almost never tell that story because I made that promise. Uh, wow. <laughs> but it seems so insignificant now. But at the time I was freaked because it could have gone either way. Right. He could have come up and been really pissed. Right, sure, sure. For the drive alone, but uh, he wasn't, and he did it, and he was, you know. But those those are four hours. I was just like hanging out in this freaking like, wow. campus police station. Anyway, so that's my big story. So wow. things, things proceeded from ugly to worse in my college experience after that point, <laughs> uh, but that's where we are uh, currently. Keith, let's bounce over to Rochester, New York. Are you still uh, thirsty for the, the lunch lady? Thirsty for the double bassist, yes. Um, so I I told you last week that I didn't quite remember how it was that we uh, that we first we, we didn't hook up quite yet, but but first like become an item of some sort, and uh, so I went back into the archives of. There's no email, there's no whatever, but what there are are old songs that yes. I wrote. And so I went back and I found yes. the song about that night. Oh boy, is it is it dirty? No. Oh god, is it dirty? Have we met? <laughs> so I and it was October of 99. I was totally right. And so I, you know, I had this, had this song and this lyric sheet and I looked at the lyric sheet and I couldn't remember even the slightest bit of how the tune went or anything like that. And I was, and, but it says we, it was on a lonely Saturday night that this happened. And I asked her to hold my hand at some point. Oh God. I want to hold your hand. Yeah, exactly. So Anyway, I was like, do I have any demo of this or is it anywhere? And so I searched my computer and there, there is a demo of it. And what I totally forgot is not only is there a demo of it, I actually put it on one of the Christmas cop-out CDs. Oh, so we get a fully produced track? <laughs> well, long story there. <laughs> I forced uh, poor Sean, my older brother, friend of the friend of the pod, to like orchestrate and play along with it. And there was a period there where he used to do that and then he stopped doing it. <laughs> and this is exactly why I think I might have broken Sean permanently with trying to make him play along to this track because not only was it bad and it was filled with a huge tempo changes and I also couldn't stay in time within the tempos I had established. It was a nightmare. And, uh, but I forced myself to sit in my shame and listen to the entire track. 
and uh, it's bad. And I would like to formally apologize to Sean here on this podcast for the hours of his life that were destroyed by trying to make some sense out of that song. I mean, we're going to get a snippet, right? No. Oh, come. I thought that's where we were heading on this bus. Uh, you would think that. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, you know what? You know what? I I need to be brave. I need to sit in my shame mm-hmm. a little bit longer. All right. So, uh, how fast can I find it? Talk about something. I'll be there in a second. Well, you know, Keith is gonna search for that, and I'd like to just take this opportunity to let everybody know, without the bumper, that on this date, October seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven. It was 70 degrees, but cloudy, like Keith's heart. Oh, no. Like Keith's heart. I can't even stay in the same tempo for the... Oh, God, there it is. So there, you have heard a piece of that and what poor Sean had to do. Keith, a collaboration just sprung into my brain. Oh, no. Founding sponsor, Leanne Wrights, is a... A writer of romance novels. Yes. You clearly are a writer of romance songs. <laughs> I feel like you should do the audiobook scoring for her oh romance my novels. God. Oh, if she wants terrible college rhymes and oh and like stupid college ideas. Oh, I was such an angsty writer at that point. Because well, I definitely stopped being angsty. No, I did not. Oh, so that oh. was that was a wonderful visit to the basement. I got the weather segment out of the way. Sorry to give it short shrift, but oh, uh, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. All and right. since sports ball won an oopsie last week, we could probably bypass that now, right? Well, yeah. Let's find out if that happens. <laughs> All right. So the local paper. On October 17th, 1999, the Burlington Free Press talked about the California earthquake spares cities. This was the Hector Mine earthquake that happened on the 16th. It was a 7.1 on the Richter scale. Wow, that's big. The top movie was this. Is this. how I met Tyler Durden. Come on. Hit me yeah. Oh, wow, this fits my story. It was on a It totally does. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. Fight Club was the number one movie. It only lasted one week as the number one movie and only took an $11 million. Little did they know the legend it would become and how many uh, college students would have the poster on the wall to pretend like they were cool. I never really got it. I like Fight Club, but I never really got the sort of explosion of cult following it got yeah i i think there's a lot of people out there who really responded to the movie without understanding what the movie was really about mm-hmm. it was like if you if you looked at just the surface and not the metaphor and such you'd be like oh man i'm tough i want to be tough too i'm gonna put the fight club thing i'm whatever uh you know it was cool the number one song Smooth by San- Santana began its streak as the top song. So get used to it. We're going to be hearing this a lot. 
This is a shout out to our intern, Jen. Uh, our favorite casino slot machine was called the Quick Hit. And it just plays this song on loop. And we would just ah. p- put our quarters in and hit that button. Forever and forever and forever. All right. It is time to put a quarter in the sports ball. The New York Giants beat down the Cowboys on Monday Night Football, 13-10 at Giants Stadium. Tiki Barber returned a punt 85 yards for a touchdown. Brad DeLuiso kicked a 21-yard field goal for the win as time expired. Philadelphia also got an upset victory, beating the Bears 20-16 in Chicago. Doug Peterson threw two touchdowns in the win. Future coach, Doug Peterson. Future coach, Doug Peterson. Okay. It is now, we're all exhausted. Jen is still listening for reasons I don't understand, but she's still here. It is time to talk about the actual episode entitled Legacy, Season 4, Episode 4. It was written by David E. Kelly, of course, with a couple of friends. Todd Ellis Kessler, who last wrote on Axe Murderer, and Jill Goldsmith, who last wrote on Home Invasions. It was directed by our veteran director, Denny Gordon, who last directed on Lawyers, Reporters, and Cockroaches, which leaves us with only one more thing to do. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? So as you know, Keith, I do not cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. But what I do do, doo-doo, he said doo-doo. <laughs> doo-doo. Is I watched the previously on. And the previously on this week uh, shows us, recaps the George Vogelman murder by our own Helen Murder Gamble. Mm-hmm. And so clearly we're going to hang out with Helen. You're gambling on your life. Oh, wrap it up. That's been the episode. So (laughs) clearly we're going to deal with the fallout from what must be. There's so many people who have been almost killed. Everybody in the firm has really had a a, has had a a time. A A brush with death. Yes, a brush with being murdered. Except for the men. No, Jimmy did. Okay, so it's equal. Jimmy got shot. Yeah. Jim, yes, and then he did the finger point. The, the infamous finger, finger pew, point. Pew, pew. So, Bobby McRambo. So clearly we're going to deal with that. But the previously on also shows us, uh, hold on, I'm gonna, I have his name, Raymond Oz. If you remember, played by the classic and uh, just seminal actor James Whitmore, Brooks from Shawshank Redemption. You remember he was like Bobby's idol and he was sort of like losing his memory a little bit and then like having fits of memory loss during the trial. Right, right. So they show that he's back. Uh, They recapped that whole sort of arc. So I'm looking at that information and the title Legacy. And here's my thought. My thought is that he comes back to the firm because there somebody, he ruined a case he blew a case for somebody, and he's being disbarred. Okay. They're saying he can't practice law anymore, and he's like, "Bobby, I want you to be my defend me in this, you know, disbarment." And Bobby has to deal with the internal conflict because, hey, I know he's losing his shit, 
but also he's my legacy. He's my lawyer. Sort of like how what happened with Lindsay and uh, Egon. Right. All right. That makes sense. Makes sense. Let's uh, let's dive into this episode after we waste ninety more seconds of your life with this ad. Season four, episode four, legacy. Oh Ernie my Sabella. God, it's Ernie Sabella! All right. Well, you might as well just do You're it. Raymond Oz. It's Ernie Sabella. You know, Ernie Sabella. It's Ernie Sabella, who everyone knows as Pumbaa in The Lion King, who uh, done the voice of Pumbaa in the original Lion King and seven trillion subsidiaries <laughs> of that movie. He was also on The Good Wife, Encore, Encore, Quiz Show, Saved by the Bell. And of course, I, I have seen him play Sancho in Men of La Mancha in two different places. Keith, would you One, like to tell us both of those? I would love to tell you both of those. One of them is, of course, in the 2002 production on Broadway, which starred Brian Stokes Mitchell. But he was also on an episode of Quantum Leap playing Sancho in a production of Men of La Mancha on Quantum Leap that Mike sent me. Oh, one, it's of, amazing. one of the best episodes of Quantum Leap. Oh, they're all so good. Quantum Leap is great if you want to watch. Oh, where's my bumper? <laughs> if you want to watch a little bit of. Uh... Hold on. Don't go anywhere. It. I do have uh, it. It's very important. It's very important. <laughs> Wow, your bumpers are loud. I love it. Uh, well, I'll have to, it's, I have to mix it anyway. Okay. Let's find out what happens. So he's sitting outside Bobby's office. office, office. That I am. And James Whitmore's there. Dressed as ah. Brooks. You know, right. I've always dreamed of being on opposite benches, you and me, but in a courtroom, not a hallway. You a lawyer? Harlan Bassett. I can't say I've argued before the Supreme Court, but... Plenty of time. Only about 65. Uh, 53. Do I look 65? I'm just a crazy old man. Appearances mean nothing to me. You know, you and I enjoy reputations. You're considered one of the greatest lawyers in the history of the Commonwealth. And me, I might be thought of as one of the worst. Yeah, well, reputations can change in a heartbeat. What are you, 62, 63? 53. Raymond. Bobby, I need to talk to you. It's important. What's up? It's always important. Well, unfortunately, Bobby, always important. I need your legal help. Oh, here I go. Am I right? Uh, this isn't easy. It's about Joanne. How do you mean? You know we've had our disagreements in the past. Who's that? Lately, her behavior has become outrageous. First, it was just receipts stuffed in the kitchen drawers. Then she began to disappear for hours on end, and when I asked her where she'd been, she got angry. And then one day, she came home smelling... smelling like she'd been with a man. Oh, no. She denied it, of course, and said that I... I was out of my mind. 
Ray, I can't imagine Joanne having an affair at her age. Oh, damn it, don't you go against me, too. Let me finish. Oh, shit. <clears throat> I'm sorry. What can we do for you? She's taken me to court. She wants a divorce? No, no, she's too smart for that. No, she wants to be named my conservator. She wants to get control of my money, my estate, everything. Everything. Well, she's probably got a guy stashed in some motel playing me for a fool. Right, right, easy. Easy. Oh, the handshake. Right, when he grips his no, hands. Oh, I could represent myself, but I need independent He's counsel. having a memory issue. Someone I can trust. Let me talk to Joanne. Oh, there's no talking to her. No, there's a hearing scheduled for 9.30 this morning. I hate having to ask. I'll be there. Great scene. So this begs the question, is all this stuff with Joanne really happening or is he just Looney Tunes? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're going to be... Certainly, uh, you see a lot of signs of uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. Including, you know, obviously the memory loss, the short-term memory loss, but also the the anger mm -hmm. and the the paranoia. Uh, it's 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 a dark topic, but you know, I've had I've had a friend go down that route, and to see how it changed her personality was really disturbing. Um, but anyway, yes, certainly, uh, I loved that first scene with Ernie Sabella because a we learned everything we need to know about both characters in two pages of dialogue we saw uh we saw a slip of the memory just a very subtle one we asked him his age again um and uh and who doesn't love ernie sabella i already love that character the underdog yeah but then they do a couple of practice tropes instead of letting james whitmore's acting show us his fits we got a lot of tight zooms on his hand and we've got the aggressive uh, we hit that a little hard scoring yeah but you know it's sort it's of char it's sort of charming yeah we could have done all that yep, talking sure right now <laughs> and i knew it was going to happen i was like waiting cuz we could talk over the theme song and of course but yeah i love the teaser i love that whole teaser and in a lot of ways because it sets up more of a the practice episode as opposed to like some gonzo like episode of criminal minds where people are shooting so i'm pretty uh i'm pretty psyched about the tone of this episode thus far yeah and it's cool that they led with that and didn't go right to the eleanor beat right which we'll probably get right now. I don't know right how now. long this will take. I'll call in as soon as I have a better idea. Bobby Beautiful lighter. Carlin Bassett waiting. He's in the hallway. Oh, God. Wow, Lucy's wearing a crop top huh. to work. Harland, sorry for the words. Where is oh, it? It's all right. Imagine I played the bumper. What yep. can I do for you? Now, what the I hell is Lucy wearing? Uh, she was shopping clearly at, like, uh, I guess, Forever 21. Oh, that's not the one the bumper I was going for. I was going for the Mike is Thirsty button oh she's wearing a crop top maybe if keith is thirsty just thinking about it <laughs> for trial uh, this morning bogus he's a good kid it's an easy ng uh but judge hiller she's ordered me to get good counsel why i don't know she has some bug of her ass about me what was her legal reasoning harland uh something about how i've never won a trial you've never won a trial 
A lawyer can only play the cards he's dealt. Never? Lindsay. He's doing a halfway decent Boston accent. I got a winner here, Bobby, and mm -hmm. you guys got a good record with Judge Hiller. It's a two-day trial, tops. It's a guaranteed NG. Please? Not I'm a shame. I told him I help him out. No, 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 all right, all right, quiet. Rebecca. No, I do not need that kind of experience. I've seen that man in You guys court. stand Bobby a little bit closer together. We, we can't get you all in the four by three frame. Nice yeah, and the world's worst attorney. <laughs> Lucy Strauss. Wow, the lighting is really warm. Put this to a partnership vote. It's a two day well, trial like at most. I, I do it myself, but I promise to help the hearing's at 930, so it has to be before that. Pick them. Oh, we're drawing straws, quite literally. Damn! <laughs> 50 bucks. Oh, not enough. Look, I do not want to be in court with that man. Thanks, Eugene. I owe you. You got that right. He's really never won a case ever. And he never will. But with you at his side. Knock him dead. Hey, you might want to keep this for next time. Yeah. Jimmy and Thank Rebecca you all like, very much. peace out. I'm done for this episode. See you next time. See you next week. Maybe you should have picked him up. A check? He wouldn't let me. Joanne. Bobby, how are you? This is Bonnie Bartlett, Hello, back Oz. as Joanne Oz. Lindsay Dole, I co-chaired your husband's last case with Bobby. Yes, of course, I'm here. Abby Smythe, Forte and Cream. Joanne, I just thought we might be able to keep this in the family. We should go inside. I'm concerned too, but is this really the way to handle it? I don't have a choice, Bobby. The bank calls every week, and the creditors and the accountants. How can they keep covering for his wild spending and his his craziness? But having him declared incompetent. You looked me in the eye two years ago and told me to step in. That was about getting him to stop practicing law. This is about competency. I can't control him anymore. Control me? She's great. I don't need you to control me. Ray, can we just find some place where we can all sit down and the talk about this? The session starts in four minutes, counselor. I feel like you could rock a fedora, Keith. I, I disagree. I, I feel like I, I, I have the like broken facial structure of somebody who should rock a fedora, but my head is too large for any hats. I have a in very large head too. For it to fit me, it would be. I don't know. It it'd be like a sombrero, because uh, my head is giant. You know, you're going to run into this problem as I have. We had a, a a friend of the family, wonderful friend of the family, send us a bunch of masks. You know, everybody's making fabric masks and they're sending them, and we're very thankful. Sure, we just got a new shipment. Not a goddamn one of them fits my goddamn giant head. Really? Yeah, I'm like wearing baby masks. Well, I I definitely had that. I when I went to. Uh, the Bruins, uh, a Bruins game in Boston in the playoffs, uh, two years ago. And I was like, this is great. We just won game seven. I had this great time. I'm going to buy a hat. I'm going to buy a Bruins hat. And I went to the team's flagship store and we can't help you, sir. I dead serious. I talked to a manager. I said, do you, what, what is the largest hat you sell? I don't care what it looks like. And he showed it to me. I couldn't get it on my head. If you and give us if you give us two weeks, sir, we we can go ahead and get two hats. We'll cut the seams and we will fashion two hats into one for your giant noggin. I literally got a "We can't serve you here" at the flagship store, and like there's some hefty guys who go are, are hockey fans. Mm -hmm. well, but uh, seats didn't taken. Happen. Seats taken. Anyway, if you have a line on a giant Bruins hat, let me know. Joanne. I 
Keith, I is that a 30-gallon trash bag you're wearing on your head? It's the only thing that fits. I just wanted you to meet Mr. Young because he'll be helping you with your trial. If you need help, what am I paying you for? God, this whole thing is a joke. Mr. Blaylock, this isn't a joke. Your charge carries a three-year sentence. Well, so what about my ace in the hole? Excuse me? I hadn't broached that subject with Mr. Young yet. Uh, Eugene has 85 pencils on his desk. evidentiary matter that's not apparent 85. from the reports. What evidentiary matter? It establishes that Marvin couldn't possibly be the perpetrator. That's what I'm saying. Well, I looked through the file, and I didn't see any affirmative defense file. That's because it's not an affirmative defense. It's a physical impossibility. So what are we talking about here? Impotence? Hardly. Marvin has an unusual physical characteristic. Wait, I got a very big dick. Yeah. What's up, Jen? That we is inconsistent you. with the victim's description. <laughs> and are you going to tell me what it is? Let me put it this way. You've heard of hung juries? Yes. Well, we got ourselves a hung defendant. Yes! Wait, you didn't have the bumper ready? Oh, I just played it. You didn't hear it. Oh, I heard it the first time. I oh. We needed a second one. Eleanor? Well, did I miss it? God damn it. You missed it. Oh. No, I'm got, it's going to happen. The victim's We're description. Here it is. And are you going to tell me what it is? Let me put it this way. You've heard of hung juries? Set it up. Yes. Well, we got ourselves a hung defendant. I got a very big dick. Yeah! <laughs> Can you believe you built this bumper before this episode? That was the perfect wipe to the next scene, Hello? too. It's unbelievable! It's Mike? unbelievable! How you doing? I swear to God I didn't know. Okay. I swear. What's up? Well, do you mind telling me where you got the gun you used to shoot George Bolderman? Oh, right into it. Helen shot him. Mine had blanks. Yes, I know. And Helen had a permit for hers. Did you? Oh, Bam. shit. You're here because you know I didn't. You here to arrest me? I'm here to tell Because I would just love that. Eleanor? No. You talk about your test case? I used that gun to defend myself in my home. So go ahead and press charges. Eleanor? Are you here to arrest me? I'll tell you this. Don't dare me. I am daring you. That's exactly what I'm doing. Eleanor, cut it out. I came here prepared to give you a break and tell you only that you wouldn't be getting the gun back. But don't get on any high horse, Eleanor. For every gun used in self-defense, 40 more are used to commit murder. And the only reason you're not dead yourself right now is because your friend George preferred to play with knives more than he did pistols. I got yeah. a very big dick. And don't make me out the world's biggest idiot. <laughs> the psycho killer who stabbed <laughs> Lindsay, you brought him to the party. He was under your nose the whole time, and you couldn't see it. Keith, writer's room. All right, yes. guys, this week yeah. uh, we got uh, we have to balance a pretty heavy subject here. We've got to talk about uh, illegal firearm acquisition, uh, and that's going to be pretty heavy. Obviously, Eleanor was almost murdered, but she also did have, Alzheimer's yeah, and Alzheimer's. We're going to need to balance that. What could we use for a C story? Right, right, right. Uh, well, it, it, let me make a suggestion. OK, let's throw out the C story altogether and just do a giant D story. Ah. I love that scene, though. Yes. A, it gives, like, Ray Abruzzo some heavy lifting for the first I time. I love my husband, but, but I can't also, rely upon him. I love them following up on her buying an illegal gun. Like, she should not get off scot-free from that. Yeah, we, we only touched on it last week, but it just doesn't... It, it's... 
it's asinine. She has she works in the law. She has every ability to just get a permit. Get a permit. Uh, yeah, and so I think we're seeing. So I I love following up. We also see Eleanor reacting in sort of an un Eleanor fashion, with a lot with flashing a lot of anger in that moment. And so we're I think we're seeing some effects of what she went through. Many more. A few years ago, he had a stroke, and he just won't admit that he's getting worse. Can you give us examples? He runs up enormous bills on our credit cards, and then he accuses me of doing it. Last week, he gave our housekeeper a diamond necklace he bought for me for our 40th anniversary. Anything else? Just the other day, I came home and found the refrigerator filled with 15 pounds of lunch meat. Grape jelly. Grape jelly everywhere. Mrs. Oz, have you consulted your husband's physician? No, he won't see a doctor. He thinks that they're all out to get even with him because he won a few malpractice suits. And he's Mm. accusing me of... He's accusing you of what, Mrs. Oz? Of having an affair. So ridiculous. It's true. You know it's true. Mr. Oz, please be seated. And now he's threatening to give away his estate so that when he dies, I'll be left with nothing. His revenge, he says. And he calls me a whore. Tell the truth! Ray! Mr. Oz! You betrayed me! Raymond, sit! Mr. Oz! You betrayed me! Raymond! I... I told the judge that Raymond should stop practicing law. But he... He's just never forgiven me for it. They're so good Yikes. together, too. They're great. But I'll do this in the uh, in the commercial. Who was that wrong? <laughs> I keep... The space bar is supposed to pause the episode, but I keep playing the big dick bumper. So I apologize. <laughs> so we come out of that. <laughs> uh, you know... Unfor- I I think I know what that means. You have to. I'm sorry about that. It was a pretty serious moment. I'm sorry I played the bumper about that guy and his boner. We're not a better podcast. <laughs> okay, so let me introduce the woman playing. Oh, my God. Joanne Oz's lawyer is played by Shirley Prestia. From Species, very good movie in my history, Wag the Dog, Dharma and Greg, and Home Improvement. My husband. Are your utilities paid up to date? Non-sequitur. Well, sort of sequitur. Partial sequitur. (laughs) Is it? This blows my mind. I loved Home Improvement. That was a 90s jam. Sure. Uh, This season, and going into next season, Last Man Standing, Tim Allen's other show, Right. Will surpass Home Improvement and enter its eighth season, whereas Home Improvement only had seven. No kidding. Isn't that nuts? I know literally nothing about Last Man Standing. None. None what's nothing. You know whatsoever. why? Because I'm a soft shell blib. That's definitely true. We yes. will not be the Credit last man standing. In timely fashion. Not always, but most of the time. Has your husband ever missed a payment on his insurance or any other financial obligation? No. And has he actually changed his will in the last two years? Well, no, but he's threatened to... The question is, has he changed it? 
No. And you said it was you who told the judge it was time for your husband to stop practicing law. Yes. And he's never forgiven you for it. No, I, I don't believe he has. You talk of threats and revenge and not being forgiven. That is an incompetence, is it, Joanne? That's anger. Bobby, what are you trying to do? I'd ask that the witness be instructed to answer the question. If you love him as much as you Ask that the witness be instructed to answer the question. All Bobby, right. I think you're on the wrong side of this one. Please answer the question. Yes, he's angry. He's a very angry man. I interviewed the complaining witness who said the man had exposed himself to her. Was Ms. Cosgrove able to give you information about the perpetrator? Yes, she was able and to give me a detailed description. Did you arrest anyone at that time? No, we were unable to locate the suspect. Then about a month later, we received a phone call from Ms. Cosgrove. She sounded extremely upset and told me that she had just seen the man. We proceeded to the location and attempted to arrest the defendant. Attempted to arrest him? Mr. Blaylock looked in my direction and took off running. My partner and I chased him for several blocks until he ran into an alley with a dead end. What happened then? I placed him under arrest, and he was subsequently identified in a lineup by Anita Cosgrove. Thank you, sir. All right. Guy testifying about the guy with the giant dick. I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, this is Ernie Hudson Jr. from Oz and Candyman 3, and yes, of Ghostbusters. His father was in Ghostbusters. Uh, should we discuss who the judge is in this case? Oh, yes, of course. The judge, it's Zoe Hiller. Good friend of the show. Linda Hunt is back. Ernie Sabell's rifling through his notes. One moment, please, judge. Eugene looks askance. I don't think we really need to get anything out of this witness. Would you mind if I asked him a few questions? Oh, go ahead. He's going to plan B him, plan C him, plan D him. Officer, when you arrived at the location to arrest my client, were you or your partner in uniform? Huge fan. No, we were in plain clothes. Was your car marked or unmarked? Unmarked. And that neighborhood is known by your department to have a high level of criminal activity, including shootings. Yes. So it's entirely possible that when Mr. Blaylock saw an unmarked car pull to a sudden stop, you and your partner jump out of that car in street clothes with guns, that he might not have realized that you were police officers. I called out and identified myself. But you can't be sure that he believed you or even heard you. No, I can't. Thank you. I hear cops out your window. Coat rack. There's just a coat Good rack. Good job. Empty coat rack next to the fan. Well-ventilated coat rack. It would be easy under the circumstances to say, gee, I guess I never really knew him. So we he wasn't are who I thought he was. In a church. Oh, George Vogelman's funeral. From thinking that. Mental illness is an illness. Eleanor's there. And George there. simply became ill. With like that two other people. That doesn't negate the kind man you knew, the gentleman. George was that. He was not a man of hate. And it would be wrong for us to feel hatred towards him because of symptoms he suffered from. I hope that we That's heavy lifting for a priest. Heavy lifting yeah. for a priest. We never knew him. And instead But I love that as a way to, to deal with this. Absolutely. We never knew the depths of his illness. 
I think it's a very good way to talk about it. I think it's really a good color to see I'll Eleanor call there. The next I heard. Where is he? Men's room. I feel bad for her. I'm sure she never thought it would end up like this. Judge is returning. Okay. He's going to get crucified in that witness I got a Boston body. accent into that blow. one line. He knows he has to stay calm. He's got no chance of staying he called calm. called four friends to help it. him with it, too. Can't we work this out? Definitely true. He's crazy. That's up to the judge to decide, not he us. He should think it's too much if I park the but car. He's going to get her. And have a dad. If you love him as much as you say. Jillian had a director who gave everyone the... Because she did the Cheers tour. Right. And so they're trying to figure out how to how do you get into a, bo a Boston accent, and the way he always says, <laughs> "No, I'm being waved off." So uh, wow, the talk about uh, I, I got a live objection. No, well, park the car in Harvard Yard. That's that's a, yeah, that's it, known. It, you're parking something else. Oh. Just put it. I'll put it that way. Okay. Oh man, <laughs> thanks, Jillian. Ruined everything. Jillian did ruin Wait, everything. Here? Yes. I'm glad somebody's paying attention to what we're saying. <laughs> Listeners, if you'd like to take a guess, email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Bobby's in the restroom now and he's looking for Brooks. Raymond Dawes. Yeah. Uh, he's losing it. Or he's taking a huge shit. Close the doors. All right, so if you're not watching at home, I, I think we really need to get specific with this visual. Keith? Yeah, well, it's actually a very sad scene. Uh, he is sort of in the bathroom stall on the floor, and he's completely naked and confused. So it's a, this is grim. This this is going to take a grim take some grim turns, guys. So prepare yourself. She's out there. So unsanitary. Who? Oh, Joanne. She wants to kill me. Oh, Ray. Don't, don't touch those. Those is under my scent. Don't, don't. Ray, you are due to take the stand in two minutes. Who are you? I don't think tough love is the tag here, Bobby. No. Oh, oh Bobby. <laughs> I always considered Bobby my son. What a performance we're getting you know. here. He always considered Bobby his son. Yeah. I'm really surprised we haven't heard the word just tell Alzheimer's the judge he's or dem a dementia at this point. They just keep talking about him being like crazy, and it's not that at all. Yeah. Well, it's, but, it's but interestingly, nobody's talked about it yet. Yeah, but interestingly, in the previous scene where Eleanor is at the funeral, the priest is going on about how George was sick and had mental illness. So mental illness clearly is a, a like, topic of conversation in this episode. Absolutely, yeah. So if you heard that, that was a car going 97 miles per hour down the street. Oh, great. But there's a cop car. Oh. Who's using their, no, he's using his bloops to make an illegal left. And not even chase the speeder guy. That's where we are, people. That's where we are. <laughs> queens, queens, queens. I was waiting at a bus stop. I'm the C story this week. He walked up to me as I was sitting there and asked if I had Surely. change for his twenty dollar bill for the bus. The defendant. 
Yes. I opened my purse to see if I had change. When I looked up to hand him the money, there it was. There what was? His sad, pathetic little penis. Aroused. And what was going through your mind as this happened? Shock. Ernie Sabella looks Fear. thrilled. Disgust. And did you have an occasion to see Mr. Blaylock Linda again before today? Aroused? Yes, about four weeks later, I saw him standing no. there loitering at the same think, bus stop. Uh, I called the police. They came and got him. Thank you. The real truth. Mike is thirsty. The sad little piece. Thirsty. Well, but that's actually a very key thing there, of course. Yes, you must Ernie... juxtapose the giant penis and the sad little penis. Right. Yours. No questions, Your Honor. Has Linda Just Hunt said anything? Me. You no. had never seen the perpetrator prior to the day he exposed himself. No. On the day of the incident, you described the guy who did it to the police. So are we going to have another episode of The Practice where a man in the courtroom is forced to drop his pants and show his dick? Well, I'm just going to put it this way. It's a plan D. You are, you are crushing it yes. at uh, Events was still prognosticating fresh in your mind at this the time. Yes. show. Little and fan. you were very careful to give as much detail as you could to the police so that they could catch the person. Right. There are now three fans in this courtroom, but we are not in, a, in L.A., Keith. We are not in Los Angeles. Well, none of the fans are on. They're all ceremonial. That's true. Now, did the police ask you about things like approximate height and weight? Yes, I told them all that. And do you remember if they asked whether the perpetrator had any distinguishing physical characteristics? I do remember, and I told them no, he didn't. No unusual markings, tattoos, piercings, or deformities. Nothing unusual in any way about his body. No. Thank you, ma'am. That's all I have. Embarrass me in front of the jury when you jump up like that. Embarrass you? Well, ask some goddamn questions, Ernie. She, saw or didn't see. she said, sad, pathetic little penis on direct. That's all we needed. Not in my opinion. Well, and your I... second chair, Eugene. The judge wouldn't let you try this case by yourself, Harlan. What does that tell you? Now, I don't want to be on this case, but I am on it. And I'm not here to set up some inadequate counsel appeal where you could take a number behind all your other clients. Don't you talk to me like that. Ouch. I may not have won a jury trial yet, but I've won plenty of motions, and I'm a good lawyer in that room. No, you're not, Harlan. Ouch. Now, you're a nice man, but you're not a good lawyer. But my friends never stood downwind. <laughs> ah. I'm going to take Marvin's testimony. You can back me up if you think I've missed anything. Okay. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. You know the craziest thing next to him? We should win. Eugene needs an they episode. They haven't made their burden that he can't manage his Definitely. financial affairs. He can be naked in as many bathrooms as he wants, but if his affairs are in order... Bobby, we have a problem. Oh shit, hard cut to a handheld cam. And the one rich person's house in all of Boston. What's Filled right? with cops. Is he alright? Oh yeah. He's fine. Oh no, did he kill his wife? Right. Bobby. 
Bobby, Bobby. Bobby. No! Bobby. Right. Are these really necessary? Yep. He did. Can someone please do the math for us? I want to know the probability. If you walk into the office of Dole Frut so-and-so, so-and-so, right. what, what are your odds of ending up dead in on the floor of some rich mansion? Or of killing somebody. You're either going to be the victim or the murderer. And also, like, why is it the same house that Egon killed a guy <laughs> in and the same house... That, like, the doctor, uh, like, it's pretty it's, much the same it's house. It's the same house. Yeah. Ray, what happened? She tried to kill me. Joanne? Yes. What, what do you mean? She had a knife. A knife. And I heard, I, 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 I swung to, to knock her away. Wait, wait, wait. Do you realize what you've done? Self-defense. She tried to kill me. Insanity, maybe, but that's she it. She tried to kill me. Well, incompetence for sure. Now, is his interaction with him in the bathroom and all the interactions he's had with him where he's witnessed, is all that protected attorney-client? Yeah, I guess so. Oh. Well, I don't... I mean, I guess, although I think a better podcast, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But I think it extends to things related to the case. Mm. And of the case that they're working on. I don't know if you get that for like behavioral stuff. Like, cause there's no, it's not a crime. I don't know. I'm, I, I have no idea. Well, Better if, podcast. if you're an idol of one of our attorneys, chances are you're going to kill somebody. So if any yeah. new, from now on, I've learned my lesson. If anyone is introduced as an idol of somebody on the show, they're or old friend or old flame. They going to murder somebody. They definitely going to murder somebody. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I want to love tea, but it's always too hot. Oh, and he killed her with an award. Oof. A little heavy on the metaphor, but I still like it. Look, I don't know what to tell you. He swears she tried to kill him. Neither do I. Going after Raymond Oz won't win me any popularity contests. But that so sweater what kind might. Of deal can we make? Manslaughter. I can't play the bumper again. Helen, I can't let him do any time. The man is nearly 80. He bludgeoned a woman to death. With a Peabody. How about an NGI plea? Insanity. Helen is being you very reasonable. Temporary, get the right shrink at the psych exam. I'll back you. Now note, dear listener, how troubled <laughs> Eleanor was this episode. God bless you, Jillian. <laughs> Mike says, God bless you. How <laughs> troubled Eleanor was in this episode. So clearly we're not that far out from the uh, attempted murder. However, Helen, nonplussed. Nonplussed. <laughs> Shot a man right in the heart. Nonplussed. No. Another day, another dollar, another dead guy. <laughs> Thanks. I thought these two guys were trying to kill me. I didn't know there were cops. This guy's that's face is so ran? skinny. Yeah. And when they told me what they were the arresting me for, that's the first I heard about any of this. You didn't present yourself to Anita Cosgrove like she described? No. 
You heard Anita Cosgrove testify that the perpetrator had no unusual physical characteristics. Is there anything about your body that differs from that description? Yes, there is. I got a very tell big the jury dick. what that is, please? I was blessed with a large penis. Yes! What Here, percentage? we'll do a... I'm huge. Guy with a giant dick! Guy rocking... 12? Uh, I don't know. I just hoped something funny would come out and it did not. <laughs> it did not. So, so we're going to miss. <laughs> Wait. Comedian? There it is. <laughs> My joke Funny was a little soundboard. flaccid. It was a little flaccid. Oh. I'd give it five and a quarter. Whoa. Oh, okay. So. That's average. <laughs> This is David Kelsey from Cheaper by the Dozen, Frost Nixon, and The Riches. And from the Please. look at on Everybody. Hiller's face, this really should have been a Kittleson case. Where the hell is this going? The complaining witness has said that my client has a sad little penis with no unusual physical <laughs> characteristics. That is inconsistent with the physical evidence I'm about to introduce. What introduce? You're offering photographs? Actually, no. I would like the jury to have a viewing. You're asking me to let your client drop his pants in court? Photos wouldn't do it justice. The jury wouldn't get the full dimensional effect. My client has a constitutional right to present his girth, Your Honor. <laughs> Don't look at me. That would be lewd and lascivious conduct all over again. Oh, and Kittleson does it on the daily. Exculpatory evidence. The look on Hiller's face. Well, I'm not doing it here. Members of the jury, we will all be adjourning to my chambers. Let's go. Yeah, you won the motion. Exciting. <laughs> He's well, funny, man. she knew she was losing that incompetency motion and killing me. We're gonna have a tough oopsie this week. The only other we really are. Had to getting my money. I can't. I still can't believe it. The police don't believe that Joanne was trying to kill you. Look at those shoulder pads in Bobby's jacket. I must say, I, I have a hard time believing it myself. Oh shit. They're offering you a deal. No contest with 12 months hospital commitment. Insanity. Ridiculous. Our case is weak. Didn't they check the knife for her fingerprints? It was a kitchen knife, Ray. She was fixing dinner. Is he going to attack Bobby at one of these points? I, I want to see him go after deal. Bobby. It was self-defense, Bobby. Self-defense, I tell you. Now, there won't be any deal. You're not the man's mother or Yikes. his minister. If he wants to go down on self-defense... It's actually a really interesting plot line because... The whole precipice, that's not the word, the whole foundation. Premise. Premise, yes, man. <laughs> really disappointed in myself because I'm usually so eloquent. 
the whole premise of this case was I want to I want to be his custodian because he clearly can't speak for himself. And right. that was taken away, you know, via murder. But now he he has he has no custodian. He has to go to trial and defend himself and nobody can be like, "Look, he's not speaking. He doesn't know. He's not in his right mind. He can't accept or deny the plea." He's you got to listen well, to what he says. I mean, yes, he he might have to pass a competency test, but he's a bright guy who's probably going to be okay at that. We might address that. That's his right. I can't accept that. And by the way, maybe I am his mother. He's... We have to listen to the client. The client is crazy. Yesterday, you said that was for the court to decide, not us. That was before he murdered his wife. He's obviously nuts. Won't the court We're order sick, a psychiatric Bobby, evaluation sick. before he can stand trial? That means nothing. If he understands the charges, he'll pass the test. But why don't we see how it goes before we decide anything? For the arraignment, let's enter not guilty. In which case, Helen will pull the offer and, and he could end up going to prison. Look, the guy's insane. Let's just dump him. Haven't we had enough crazy clients? Has to be let out for God's sake. Eleanor is definitely showing some signs of PTSD. I know I've apologized. And now twice, we're going to see some PTSD. I'm going Big to do D. it one more time to convey the court's embarrassment. Better? But no. Every Comedian? defendant is entitled <laughs> to a complete and zealous defense. So. Here we go. Zip, flop, Mr. oh my Blanock, god. Go ahead. Took his jacket off. Eugene's <laughs> like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> Even Eugene's What's impressed. That? It's pierced which is another thing the complaining witness would have noticed had it been my client. All right, we've seen enough, Mr. Blaylock. Uh, excuse me, Your Honor. I feel that the jury <laughs> Extra still puts his glasses has the full appreciation of my client's endowment and its current state. What are you asking for now? That he get aroused? Oh, no, no. Uh, if the court will allow, I will simply <laughs> place in the ring. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, of the jury. I object to this. Hurry up, counsel. You keep looking at me. <laughs> He's holding it up with it a was stick. humiliating, and for Harland, no, it was a career right, We need to discuss that. The tension on that on that rod, that's a screenshot, right, for the Instagram? Yes. Okay. Now, I, I would like to discuss the extras in that scene. Yeah. Because we got, there's like nine jury members, and all the extras, and we got a shot of all of them. And they all communally, like individually, made the choice to play this. Give me that dick. Yeah. Well, Every it, single one of them was like, woo, give me was, that. It was give me that dick mixed with a little bit of. It was amazing. It was yeah, amazing. Well awesome. done everyone. Well uh, done. Also, one of those extras looked a lot like Stan Lee, but it might have been. 
Almost over. Look, I'm not picking straws in this kind of crap anymore. People say, where's the dignity in law these days? Well, it's not in that room. Well, there's no dignity in an innocent man going to jail. If Harlan prevents that... He could have got the same evidence in using photographs. He wanted to be sensational because he's a loser who's never won a case. Oh, come Eugene, on, relax. We're not above humiliating other people to get acquittals. We can't taste the medicine ourselves. That's a very good point, Jimmy. With Bobby. Right here, what's up? The stock on Ginkgo. You were right. Raymond passed the psychiatric exam. You see? They found him competent to participate in his defense. Which means he can reject insanity. I gotta talk to him. Hey, Lindsay. It's Helen. She's having a little roommate problem. Helen? She has been holed up in that room all day. I try to talk to her and she just looks at me in a violent way. This is a week after I saved this woman's life. Maybe she needs a day, uh -huh. Helen. <sighs> Lindsay. You know Wednesday is food fight night. You know it. We started yeah. it. Every Wednesday we throw food at each other in skimpy outfits and giggle. And she won't do any of it just because her boyfriend, I murdered her boyfriend. That so unreasonable. <laughs> Whatever the scene's hey, gonna going be, on? you know Cameron's gonna crush it. I never apologized to you, did I? For what? For what McGuire said. I brought George Vogelman to the party. He tried to murder you. Eleanor, you couldn't have known. I have to face the reality, Lindsay. I have a total incapacity when it comes to reading people. That's not true. I don't know if I can ever, ever let myself trust anybody again. You will? No. I have this truly awful feeling that I won't. And you know, George, I... Am I sick for grieving for him? No. She's good. Jesus. Of course great I passed. Scene, great Passing a competency Cameron exam Manheim, trial does gentlemen. not mean you're sane. I don't have to tell you that. But it does mean I can direct my lawyers and we reject insanity. Ray. Did you tell her? Did you tell Joanne that I passed the psychiatric exam? Uh, Raymond. Joanne is, is, is dead. You're charged with killing her. Oh, yeah, 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 she's dead. Can I see her? The acting in this episode so has good. been dynamite. Denny Gordon as director. I mean, these are phenomenal actors too, but. Listen, the Goodness only way gracious. that I can effectively represent you here is to plead insanity. It's not going to happen. You confess. No. No, I said self-defense. 
and they have nothing to dispute that. Now look here, we have to get the forensic reports. Oh, and talk to Joanne's lawyer. Privilege does not survive Joanne's death. Now the lawyer may be able to tell us something. Raymond, you're ill. You need to let me help you. There you go. Uh, look, you, you say I'm like a, like a son to you. At some point, fathers let their sons take care of things. Now I Dylan's taken over. I won't plead insanity. My legacy cannot be that. I cannot go out on that. I want to be judged not guilty on the elements. Bobby. Well, where is she? Oh, this is like a great episode. Yeah, she's gone, right? Just heartbreaking in every possible way. She's gone. And it looks like he's struggling. You know, it's not just playing the beats. He really seems like he's oh. struggling with a disease. It's a brilliant performance. So you're going to withdraw? I don't have any choice. I don't get why you say that. You have a choice. What, go for a straight not guilty? Yes, we do it all the time. Go for a straight not guilty with guilty clients. Why can't we do it here? Good question. It just feels more obscene here. I mean, he's... It's not a game. It's somebody I love, and he's gone mad but we can get him off just the same. It is possible. I have a bit of a confession to make. Oh, hold on. I'm a lousy hold lawyer. On. Not that it's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing. I've been waiting my whole life to say this. For the big dick defense, Pumbaa. It's relevant or even appropriate for me to talk about in a closing argument, but I've never won a jury trial. About 10 years ago, I lost so much confidence, I only took on clients I knew were guilty. That way, when the conviction came down, I wouldn't feel totally responsible. But it hurts. Never. Winning. Mr. Bassett. Sorry. But I took on an innocent one here, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to say it was for his sake, but it was more for mine. The physical evidence completely and totally contradicts the complaining witness testimony. She identified the wrong man. And even a terrible lawyer can't change what we all know to be the truth. Marvin Blaylock is an innocent man. With a giant dick. If a, yeah, dick, that, if a dick that big is guilty, I don't want to be innocent. 
If it doesn't fit, you must quit. <laughs> Gross. Now, you, uh, Eugene gave him an attaboy. A attaboy. What I wouldn't do to get an Raymond attaboy Oz, like that from Eugene in, the first degree. Bobby Donald in my for the defense, wave reading. Helen Gamble for the Commonwealth. The defendant enters a plea of not guilty. We'd ask that Mr. Oz be released on his own recognizance. Did he undergo a psychiatric? Hey! He has established Kittleson's roots in the community. He's well known. One million bond, 200,000 cash. Your Honor, I'd like to represent myself. Wow, that I was just going to interject, but he just dropped a bomb. He uh, sure did. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Uh, another writers meeting, only, no yeah. production production meeting. Okay, okay, I'm here, guys. I have a, I have I have an idea. It's going to cut our actor budget slightly, uh, but it's going to save us a lot of time. Yeah, we only need two judges from here on out. <laughs> what do you say, Linda Hunt? Right, and maybe that other chick. Holland Taylor, yeah, yeah, that's great. Can we can we throw in uh, Judge Swackheim every once in a while, who has a, uh, a a different personality every episode? Yeah, as long as he's chain smoking each time. Right. Okay. Right. He undergo a psychiatric and passed. He has established roots in the community. He's well known. One million bond, two hundred thousand cash. Your Honor, I'd like to represent myself. Oh. Mr. Oz, I need hardly remind you that a man who hires himself for his lawyer gets billed just the same. I'm well aware, <laughs> Your Honor. However, since most people would seek out Raymond Oz in this circumstance, I see no reason why I shouldn't do the same, particularly when I stand a pretty good chance of reaching him. I don't think it's appropriate to enjoy a murder trial, Mr. Oz, especially when your own wife is the victim. Mm. Oh. Your Honor, I... I think that I understand the uh, risks of self-representation, and I am prepared to assume them. And it is my right. Your Honor does believe in rights, I assume, unless, of course, the reports of your judicial integrity are exaggerated. I will allow you to represent yourself, but I'm ordering Mr. Donald to stay on as co-counsel. I don't need him. Well, then you'll just have to humor me. I would like to have an immediate trial date, Your Honor. There's no discovery necessary here, and I will stipulate to the forensics. And I am an old man, and I, I really would like to be acquitted before I die. We can go in three weeks, as long as Ms. Gamble doesn't object. We can be ready. Mr. Oz, I have half a mind to declare you incompetent. And if you have the other half, you could call me crazy. <laughs> See probation. We'll conference set a trial date. Adjourned. Mr. Oz. Mr. Oz. What will be your legal strategy? Oh, I wouldn't presume to declare a legal strategy, ladies and gentlemen. No, suffice it to say any lawyer considers himself lucky if the facts in the case support his claim. And here they do. Are you ready for this? Yes. I am absolutely ready for this. What really happened? It's the non-campy Larroquette version. Yeah. The, the, the heartbreaking Larroquette version. When are those new cables coming, buddy? Uh, soon, I know. I'm, I've been battling it. We won't hear it in the mix. Now, I not only, only intend to I raise that question, but I intend to answer it. 
Okay, it's verdict time for Pumbaa. You can't get an attaboy and then lose. You better not. Will the defendant please rise? Oh, he's risen, trust me. Madam Foreperson, the jury has reached a verdict. We have. What say you? Commonwealth versus Marvin Blaylock on the charge of lewd and lascivious behavior. We find the defendant, Marvin Blaylock, guilty. <gasps> what? Members of the jury, this completes your service. You're free to go with oh. the court's thanks. The heartbreak continues. Ernie. Probation. No. We'll be heard on sentencing next Tuesday. Adjourned. That doesn't make any sense. What happened? You tried to get case on it. Oh. I, I, I don't understand. Mr. Young? The jury the member. I'm Dr. Robert Pine. I, I was on the jury. I, I know I'm not supposed to say anything, but... I'm blind. But what? I'm a plastic surgeon. Uh. I specialize in penile enlargement. I saw the markings. Your client altered the evidence. Is that what was discussed back there? Your Honor. Mr. Curley, approach. Ah, uh, audible. Defense moves for a mistrial. This jury is a plastic surgeon who offered testimony during deliberations, which affected the verdict. What? He's a plastic surgeon. He saw scars. He concluded that my client had his penis enlarged. Is that true? Yes. You got to throw it out, Judge. Why? The jury's free to evaluate this guy's evidence. A plastic surgeon who Look, offered testimony. I've wasted enough time on this case. I am not going to start over. The deliberations were tainted. Thirty-day sentence, all suspended, conditioned on counseling. You can't do better than that. You won't with a new trial. No time, sir. Take it and smile. Done. Eugene rescued the case. All suspended. You don't serve a day. We got to get you counseling. Uh, but no time? No time. Great. Her knee is still Harlan? heartbroken. Oh, great. Good result. He just wanted the win. He Good. needed the win. Result. We're going to see him again. He'll probably murder someone. Not a lot of happy endings. Mm, no. Bad, bad choice of idiom, but. So Ernie is going. He's leaving the courtroom. And he's, he's sitting, sitting down in on the bench. Oh, God. So heartbreaking. There's no reason for him to carry his bag like that, but we'll just... It adds to the sad sack. No, oh, he's breaking down. Oh, God. Ernie! Great camera move. See Eugene's seeing it. Who would have guessed that in such a sad Ugh. episode I'd have played a big Ladies dick bumper at least 20 all times? All the evidence has been presented. You must take it back into that room. Okay, so he Come is. On. James Whitmore your is duty. practicing Your duty to cell. uphold the law. Your duty to hold the state to its burden of proof. Because all you see, ladies and gentlemen, 
This is still a country where people are free, and for you to take away a man's freedom, for you to remove him from the free world, you must find guilt beyond reasonable doubt. That is all doubt, not most doubt, not, not a great majority of doubt. All doubt. And we pull oh. back, leaving him alone Duty. in the cell. Plan of the free. All doubt. <laughs> wow. Yes. Holy moly. Woo. Woo. Is right. We did it. We did it. We definitely have. Wow. All right. Now that was an episode. And I am very excited to. Oh, that's the wrong bumper. Something old. Ladies and gentlemen. The Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Oh, it's a time to start handing out some fake awards, starting with... Well, I guess the shortcut doesn't work. Most I think... Sorry, there's a motorcycle gang going by. I'm going to give them a second. Great, great. Sure. Oh, like truly. It's like Easy Rider out there. You know, it's not like there's a global pandemic or anything. No, but, no. Uh, so I'll keep it concise since we're seven hours in. Uh, Eugene. Yeah. Eugene Young. Yeah. He, he definitely, he came in there, he rescued the verdict and uh, thought well on his feet and uh, sh- eventually showed some compassion to poor Ernie Sabella. So, uh, congratulations, Eugene, on your Oopsie Award. Next up, one of the most difficult categories we're going to have in a long time. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. So, I think we both would agree that James Whitmore and Ernie Sabella are are featured. Yes, are g- definitely the candidates here who crushed it. I Go. think you can make a solid case for each. Hopefully, uh, we can maybe even split see this, but that is that is cheating. If unless we, you know, no, it has to come from our hearts. I just, oh God, I love Ernie Sabella. I think he plays the like comedic tramp all the way to the sympathetic, brokenhearted figure. He was so close to, I mean, obviously he wants to do a good job, but he also needs that win for morale and just seeing that heartbreak at the end. But I just can't take it out of the shaking hands of James Whitmore in his portrayal of Raymond Oz. So 
such a difficult task to do what he did and not come off too heavy-handed and playing it, overplaying it. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's just such a, he makes it look so easy and it is not, and it's heartbreaking. There's no reason that watching a 21-year-old show through Zoom should make me weep, but he did it. Yeah. So uh, my vote is for James Whitmore. Yeah. Uh, I agree with everything that you just said. I think uh, Whitmore gave a astoundingly good performance, a performance that shouldn't be on TV. Right. He should get, this should be a, a feature film of him doing this arc. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens next week, hopefully when we conclude this case. And, and so, hopefully Ernie will be back at some point. It seems like oh, his yeah. story's not done either. I feel he probably will. So, congratulations to James Whitmore for your second Best Guest Actor Oopsie Award. Which brings us to... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Every episode this season, I spend the first... 20 seconds of this portion of the show discussing how great everyone was. Yeah. So I'm going to skip that because I think at this point we're... It's evident. It's evident. We're firing on every cylinder. Two scenes. First scene, the church scene. Yep. Cameron Mannheim didn't say a word. Entirely nonverbal acting. One continuous shot, too. Cut to second scene. She's in her room. Her good friend Lindsay comes over to console her but ends up listening to a monologue given with barely any lighting, barely any camera movement, just a close shot of a woman dealing with all the feels. And that's it. Those two scenes. Yep. Yep. Camera Mannheim. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, It's just, yeah. When you're working with an actress like that, you can just put the camera on her. Tell her to go. And uh, when you're at the absolute height of your field and just, yeah, exactly. Firing on all cylinders. Cameron Mannheim, that was a phenomenal performance. So congratulations on your fake award. Which brings us to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Well, let's follow through, Keith. It's been a week of keeping promises. And so last week you promised that if sports ball could win the Tom Brady award, that this week, which it did with the Tom and Gronk bromance could win uh, bromance in Tampa Bay. Uh, I'll let you come up with a a clever title. Uh, Oh yeah. Would be the, uh, the Tom Brady award this week. So uh, let's follow through with that. All right. There. Congratulations to uh, Florida bromance, Tom Brady and Gronkowski. All right, here comes the fun one. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. It's cool to see David E. Kelly and team uh, in the writer's room adjust over these past few seasons. They sort of had a, a an idea of who these characters were early on, but they've let the narrative and also the actors and the way yeah. the life the actors bring to these characters sort of direct who the actors, where the characters have settled. 
I think Eleanor this week is a great example. You know, you and I have, have, have called out throughout the course of the show that she's been unevenly written at times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that sort of burning anger that she's very plays very well is sort of haphazardly cast at random yeah, her, co-workers. Her, she and Lindsay and their big whole fighting arc. But when you give her when you give her targets, when you give her great storylines, it all works. And what she yeah. does is is such a unique blend. She's just such a unique person. I think Cameron, the the human. Yeah. Oh, it's it, it, I, I I hate to interject at this point, but like we were literally this morning, uh, we were having coffee on the deck, and Cameron came up. And we were talking about we we all had mutual a mutual friend who did uh, spring away the Deaf West Spring Awakening with her, and said that like Cameron as a person as a human being is just first class, and that was not true of everyone everyone's worked with for sure, but Cameron specifically was just a really great person as well. Yeah, and just I guess also just how lucky. It is to have an ensemble, like what a great job of casting they did. I don't know that they knew it in the beginning, but yeah, it's just such an incredible ensemble. So blah, 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 this episode. You know, I appreciate the the campy bits and the comedy. You know I love all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, those episodes where we get into the nitty gritty of human, the human experience... Uh, and even the the penis arc this week, as as kind of out there as it was, it was counterbalanced with Ernie Sabella going through a really personal uh, pursuit. Yeah, you know, and very and it, heartfelt. Yeah, it was a really well balanced episode this week. I thought. Yeah, and I'm it set things up wonderfully, yet had a had some good resolution. It's funny. I'm looking at the IMDb ranking, and it was not actually. All the reviews are usually middling. There, people. I guess it's not. I guess it's not a good. People even each other out. That's why we needed the, the oopsies in the world. That's right. We're here to take care of the. We're 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 gonna fix a wrong that has been done. I think it's in the upper echelon of episodes for me, and I'm gonna give it an eight point seven five spare tires. Eight point seven five. All right. Well, uh, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, but I am going to throw in a conspiracy theory. I have a conspiracy theory. And Please. that and here it is. I have absolutely no reason to believe this or justification or inside knowledge about this. But I think Ernie Sabella was the second choice to play Jimmy. Oh, I could see and that. Because the characters begin so similarly. Remember, Jimmy had never won a case when we first met him. And they have very similar dynamics, very similar uh, roles that they play. The audience is rooting for them, so it's sort of the scrappy underdog. Um, so I... My my theory is it came down to Michael or Ernie for Jimmy. And David E. Keller's like, I loved that guy. I'm going to get him back in the show in a couple of years. Do you think there's an alternate universe where Ernie Sabella is Jimmy 
and Michael Bataluco is Pumbaa. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've never been more certain of anything. <laughs> Although I don't know if Michael sings, but we'll we'll, we'll find out. But uh, but yeah, that is that is my conspiracy theory. I like it. Uh, so to get back to the episode in general, I love this episode. This episode is what I love about the practice. And the I I love that it was it was legally based, but based in humanity. It was in the real world. It wasn't some silly action flick. And it was just incredibly well written and incredibly well performed and incredibly well directed. And this is for me, this this episode is an example of absolute peak practice. Mm-hmm. So I wait for it. I'm giving this. 9.5 spare tires. So that's about a nine. That is about a nine. And that is the highest ranking that I have given an episode thus far. Well, and those are spare tires, not inches, right? Spare tires. Okay. Yes, indeed. So congratulations to Legacy. You are a great example of the legacy of the practice. All right. Well, thanks so much for sticking around and listening to this incredibly long episode, but a great episode of The Practice. If you'd like to reach out and talk about it and tell us what you thought, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Do us a huge favor. Join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get more listeners. And the more listeners we have, the more interesting people join the conversation. You can also join the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. You can find us on our blog spot, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com, and see more pictures and get the definitive rankings, which this episode will come in second place. Did you know that we give show notes each and every week? In those show notes, you can click a link to donate to the podcast. If you are a loyal listener, you can help us out. You can also check out links to Jen and the uh, plug she had this week for her uh, charity of choice. And also Jorge's uh, published story of coming out, starring a priest in Animal Sacrifice and Ricky Martin. We thank you for listening. Oh, there's so much more. Nope. Oh, there's more. Oh, here it is. That is not a rock-hard penis in my pants. It's a laser gun making laser sounds. Laser sounds. I got a very big dick. <laughs> <laughs>